listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome back to the Testudo Times podcast, the post-Thanksgiving. Sorry we didn't do one during the Thanksgiving week edition, although this is a bit different than our past shows because we're recapping the 2015 football season that was mainly the 2015 football season that wasn't. Returning to this show after probably a much too long absence, Editor Emeritus Pete Volk. Hi, Pete. It's good to have you back on. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. It's felt it's not that the show's felt empty, but without you, it's been different. I mean... <laughs> We kind of need your opinions on, well, I don't know if the world needs to hear what our opinions are on Maryland football. I think we've made them pretty clear over the season. Surely. It was a bit of a disaster this season, but that's why we have to recap it. And, of course, we're going to get to talk about the head coaching search, which Maryland's season ended two days ago from the time we're recording this. We're recording this Monday night, uh, November the 30th. The coaching searches across the country have already moved remarkably quickly. So this podcast could quickly become outdated, which would be hilarious. Might be even becoming outdated before we post it. Let's hope that's not the case. But let's start by talking about the last six games of this Maryland season with Mike Loxley at the helm. Pete, we talked about a bit in your last show what we could expect under Mike Loxley. I think the team made improvements. They played a little bit looser. They played a little bit, not faster, but they played a little bit better, I think. They grew up. They looked like they were having more fun. It was still very much Maryland football. Tons of very dumb mistakes, particularly from the quarterbacks. But what did you take away from the Mike Loxley era six games at Maryland? Yeah, it it was good to see the team play better. Uh, I mean, the statistics show that as well. Uh, I think especially the games that come to mind are Penn State and Wisconsin, um, were the two losses that Maryland played the best in by far this year. Uh, so that's a much needed improvement after like just horrible games against West Virginia and Michigan really did Randy Etzel in besides the Bowling Green game, obviously. Um, and then obviously, you know, as Maryland fans have said forever and ever and ever, as long as we beat Rutgers, it's all okay. <laughs> and apparently it was all okay because Maryland did to Rutgers what Rutgers did to Maryland. Although what Rutgers did to Maryland... Well, actually, no, never mind, because what Maryland did to Rutgers did get a coach fired and an AD yep. fired. So I guess Rutgers last year kind of got Randy Edsel fired or he led yeah. to the things that eventually got Randy Edsel fired. Maryland beating Rutgers actually directly led to Kyle Flood getting fired, which is kind yeah, of funny. I think, it's, I think it's fair to say they got it, the two teams got each other's coaches fired. I, I think been- that if Maryland had beaten Rutgers last year, Edsel certainly would have lasted longer than he did. I think that's fair to say. Now, looking back on it, that makes sense. Uh, But for the rest of these games, the Penn State and Wisconsin games you mentioned uh, and the Rutgers game in which they came back, we saw some things from this team that I liked. They opened up the offense for once. I mean, they were trying stuff. They knew they had nothing to lose. And what it made me really believe was that Randy Edsel was keeping this team back and not Mike Loxley. He would have called some crazier stuff if he could. We saw Will Likely on offense, Shane Cockerell coming in at times, some crazy formations. And that was good stuff to see. It was showing that they were trying new things because why not when your season was very clearly lost? Absolutely. And, you know, it was fun to see Shane Cockrell and Will Likely involved in the offense because when it gets to this point of the year, I mean, I don't know how everyone out there was watching Maryland football this year, but once you fire a coach and install an interim, there's a completely different feel to the season. I mean, it's a lost year. And you want the kids to go out there and 
do good things just because they're kids and they're Maryland kids. You want to see them do well. But the wins and losses start to become less important, especially when you're in a transitionary period. Um, so when you put some someone like Will Likely, who Maryland fans have clamored for years, like put this guy on offense just to see what he does, I mean, why not? This was the time to do it. And I think Mike Loxley knew that he had to try some things and it's it would be unlikely that he'd ever be able to get the job full-time anyway. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit, I'm mm-hmm. sure, because Maryland will reportedly interview him for the job. Um, but yeah, it was good to see... Uh, both for the players like Likely and Cockrell that maybe are a little more raw on the offensive side of the ball but have some talent, to see them just go out there and to see Mike Loxley just be like, you know what, whatever, let's try it. Let's have some fun. And it definitely looked like Maryland players were having a bit more fun towards the end of the year. I, I mean, I don't know, put a lot into that post-game locker room after you win, but it seemed like the team was genuinely happy that they got him a win. And I'm genuinely happy for him because his two head coaching stints have been mired with a lot of stuff that he couldn't control and he's going to have only three head coaching wins on his resume but I'll tell you I think that Rutgers win probably felt pretty sweet for him and I hope Maryland fans are happy he got at least one yeah I was thrilled for him um because yeah you know people make fun of him for his coaching record a lot and that's fine uh it was really bad (laughs) what he what his whole tenure at New Mexico but like winning at New Mexico is a very difficult job and he didn't get long to do it so yeah, it was a failure, but it was extremely nice to see him just get one win as Maryland head coach, and especially his last game as Maryland head coach. And he mentioned it after the game. He said he's from Southeast D.C. He said it was kind of a dream to coach Maryland, something along those lines. And we'll get to what his eventual status is with the Terps at some point later on in this show, but I felt really happy for him. The other people I felt really happy for were for the young players that got opportunities, not only on offense, but on defense. I was at one of his press conferences where they were talking about taking out players like Will Likely and the veterans in the secondary and playing younger guys because they kind of had to. And they were doing that on at linebacker as well. We saw Ty Johnson more involved in the offense. We saw some of the younger receivers get cracks. That was something else you wanted to see because now they kind of have a head start on next year because there is going to be some change naturally, uh, particularly in the secondary. And you want those players to have a head start on next season for whoever the new head coach is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, seeing guys throughout the season like uh, Ty Johnson get a lot of play, although that started under Etzel, but he, he got more carries as the season went along. And uh, he's not a freshman, but he's someone who did get thrown in there. DeAndre Lane, um, I was really happy to see him get some play towards the end of the year. He made some very nice plays, um, finished on top of the team in yards per catch. Uh, which I don't think many folks expected coming into the season. But, he, yeah, I, I was really happy to see Maryland work some more kids in there because that's the thing. The whole point of the season is to try and figure out ways to make future Maryland football teams better because this one, you can throw it out the window. Yeah, We saw that in the secondary, too, on the offensive line as well. I mean, we finally saw Damian Prince play, and I think he played pretty well in his spells. Again, he's playing with a veteran offensive line, and we'll get to the units and how they're changing in a bit, but... I think that that was the head thing that made me the happiest watching those games was even if the players were making mistakes, they, they were playing. They're going to learn more by playing than they are on the bench. And this is a team that while they were under Loxley, they got to go to a team that's right now number four in the college football playoff rankings and lost to them by only 16. They covered the spread, held close with Wisconsin that won nine games and were reasonably respectable on defense against a team that also can make the college football playoff on the road. Not a bad season for Maryland 
despite the fact that they lost five games. I mean, there were the stinker. The Indiana game stunk. But to some, see some of those performances, I think, was kind of heartwarming in a lost season. Don't you agree? Yeah, sure. I, I, for me, it's the Wisconsin and Penn State ones um, more than the others. Just I think that uh, Maryland is probably a bit closer to Iowa than uh, Iowa fans would like to think. Just in I, terms think of I think they'd quality. love to Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but that's fine. Iowa, I'm very proud of you for doing what you've done this season. I um, love to make in the playoff and winning the national championship. Yeah, that, that sure would be something. But yeah, no, it's it's great to, to see Maryland play better uh, towards the end of the year. And the hope is that they'll be able to bring somebody in to, to bring a, a different kind of success. So let's now look at some of the players that are leaving. We have the ability now to tell you that Yannick Ngakwe has declared for the NFL draft. I don't think anybody's shocked by that. He's going to be a late-round pick, and he was awesome for Maryland. Let's be honest, and that's a huge loss. But uh, And some of the other players that we're going to see leave, basically, as I mentioned, the entire secondary, Hendy, Nix, and Davis, and Hill are all graduating. Uh, parts of the offensive line, Mulrooney and... Uh, Ryan Doyle are, and uh, Gromer are leaving. Andrew Zeller as well. Brad Craddock is graduation, uh, graduating, which is a kind of a shame considering the injury that uh, kept him out of the last couple of years. And we don't know who else is going to declare for the NFL draft. I would think there's really only one other player that could, and that's Will Likely. I'm going back and forth on that. Uh, before we get to the Likely question, the losses are really considered uh, contained in two areas. The secondary, which is going to have a lot of change in the offensive line. The offensive line's got considerably more depth at it than the secondary does. Uh, I think the secondary is going to be hurt a bit next year. So how do you how do you think whoever the new head coach is with the new personnel coming in is going to deal with those two uh, position groups? Yeah, another one I think is is running back as well. Just you know, Ty Johnson has looked good and Wes Brown has had his spurts, but Brandon Ross is a big loss yeah. for Maryland. Um, he especially picked it up towards the end of the year, but he had a fantastic career. I believe finished number four career rushing yards uh, in Maryland history. Um, so that's going to be something to figure out. We can talk about the offense in a bit because quarterback is a whole different animal. Yes, it um, is. But yeah, offensive line. Alex has talked about this before. One of the only things that Randy Etzel did well um, was he stocked up Maryland's uh, lines, offensive and defensive, with talent. Um, and so I think that a competent head coach would be able to put together a decent offensive line unit considering what Maryland brings back next year, especially um, Damian Prince and Derwin Gray, of course. But you've also got Michael Dunn still with the team, um, Corvez Bulware, Brendan mm -hmm. Moore. I think with those kind of weapons, as well as EJ Donahue, Mason Zimmerman, Juwan Delaney, should be able to cobble together a group of five, ideally. Defensive backs is something I've been concerned about for um, for quite some time. Uh, this 2016 year for Maryland secondary has kind of been circled as, hey, hey, maybe you guys should pay attention to this. Um, you guys might want to recruit some defensive backs who you can expect to play because that did not happen. Uh, so that's going to be a real issue. And to be honest, I have no idea how Maryland's going to fix that. They're going to need some players to step up in significant ways, and they're going to need Will Likely to come back. And graduate first. There's, yeah, because there's just, like, very little experience or perceived potential via recruiting rankings in that unit. So maybe something good happens there, but, like, and this is a longer conversation that I know some folks don't agree with with me. I, I think that whenever you make a coach hire, you have to start thinking about a potential rebuilding year and looking at some of Maryland's weaknesses, um, especially in the secondary. 
it's hard to see like a cohesive football team coming out of this. I mean, you never know. Cause like one of the appeals of college football is that kind of everyone is sort of bad. Um, so like you can overcome your weaknesses if you scheme around them and if you do good things, but Maryland has like really real question marks in the secondary and in the offensive backfield. And that's, that's tough to overcome. Yeah, the secondary, I think, is a huge... It's probably going to be the biggest issue on the team because at least with the defensive line and the linebacking core, younger players played and played pretty decently. I mean, Maryland's still returning Quinton Jefferson, Roman Braglio. They're returning guy. They're returning specifically Jermaine Carter Jr. of the linebacking core. They're going to be, I guess, I wouldn't say great, but they'll be fine with the front seven as opposed to this last year or this season where there was a ton of transition. Uh, the other good thing, I guess, is Maryland at the wide receiver tight end. They're returning basically everybody. And Tino Ellis said today on Twitter that he's committing. That's nice to hear. But assuming he comes, Maryland's going to be pretty good at the skill at wide receiver and tight end again, which is which is good to see. And Avery Edwards played pretty well decently down the stretch, I think. So there's there's something to be excited about at those positions, right? Yeah, um, I will say that I, I kind of I, I think that the secondary is the number two concern, actually. Well, okay, behind Western. the quarterbacks. Yeah, behind the quarterbacks. It is definitely quarterback. I mean, it is just like, and here's not to turn this again into a will Maryland be good next year. The reason that I have a hard time thinking Maryland will be like significantly better than they were this year is because there's still no quarterback on the roster. Um if Dwayne Haskins stays, then, like, there's a very talented young kid who is still a young kid. Uh, and with freshmen, you don't ideally want to play them their first year at quarterback. Uh, there's always a possibility for grad transfer or, I guess, for some late recruiting thing that seems even more unlikely than a grad transfer. But, like, right now, you look at this roster and it's like, okay, cool, there are a lot of good pieces here, but there's still Caleb or Perry Hills at quarterback. And that describes this year's team, like, to a T. Maryland's problem this year wasn't that it just was like a horrendous team that played horrendously. It was a fairly good defense that had good skill players and a solid offensive line that had no quarterback to speak of. So it lost almost every game. And unless they fix that, that's not going to change. They uh, had although, historically bad quarterback play, let's say. Yeah. I mean, we might never see quarterback play this bad again. Now, a personal story, like I was watching the Florida-Florida State game. I follow a lot of Florida fans for my connections with the Jaguars. And they were complaining about Treon Harris. I get it. I know why you're doing it. I get the Florida situation. But I'm sitting there as a Maryland fan thinking, you guys don't really know what bad quarterbacking is. You still won 10 games. <laughs> I, I felt kind of like, uh, felt kind of icky looking at those complaints and kind of sympathizing with them because Maryland had far worse quarterback play and Florida still going to go to a decent bowl game and still got 10 wins with mediocre quarterback play towards the second half of the season. But that's just me. I don't know. Were you thinking the same thing, or is that just me being cynical, Matt? I there? think that there are a lot of teams with bad quarterbacks in college football and that uh, Maryland has it worse than just about all of them. But that I understand the struggle. <laughs> uh, we, we do understand the struggle, but we don't sympathize in the same way as you might think. Uh, but, okay, let's talk about the Dwayne Haskins thing because it seemed pretty certain from everything that he had said, mainly because we were following him on Twitter, everything that he had been saying and demonstrating publicly that he was still coming to Maryland, he took an official visit to Florida. Now, if you are Dwayne Haskins, a very highly rated recruit, there's a lot of uncertainty at Maryland, whatever ties you, are, you have to the region. 
I don't know why you wouldn't take an official visit to a school like Florida, even though they have another great quarterback recruit coming in next season. Because why wouldn't you? Florida would want to have you. Most big schools would want to have you. Right? Makes sense. If I don't know what the, re, the odds are that he doesn't come, that he flips or doesn't come to Maryland or goes to Florida or somewhere else instead. Even LSU was making waves that they wanted him. If Maryland doesn't get him, then, and this is what I was having a debate with some people on Twitter on over the past weekend, you can't expect Maryland to be much better because the quarterbacks are the same. And that's the biggest concern. If Haskins comes in, that alleviates it somewhat. What do you make of this Haskins situation? Because people are naturally flipping out because, and they, and they should, because Haskins was the man who made this recruiting class. Without a Maryland stuck in quarterback limbo for another year, presumably. I mean, if you fire a coach, you fire a coach understanding that you are probably going to lose a recruiting class. So I don't know if people necessarily have a right to flip out just because, like, you have to understand, obviously, where Haskins is coming from. And furthermore, nobody knows anything right now. Like, there, there is so much left open in the air with regards to which direction Maryland goes in, with regards to which direction Dwayne goes in, with regards to which direction other people go in. And I don't even think Dwayne knows right now what, what he wants to do. Um, but if you're a Maryland fan and you are in favor of firing Randy Etzel, that means you are also in favor of probably losing this recruiting class. And when you make a complete change, you have to understand that, like, all right, that means we're going to go forward, we're going to start this anew and see where it goes. And I think Maryland ultimately made the right decision. I would love to keep Dwayne Haskins at Maryland. He is a phenomenal player and would do great things at Maryland. But more important than that is making sure that you have the program on a stable trajectory. And I don't think it was possible under Randy Edsel at the beginning of the season. It turned out Bowling Green was pretty decent. And it turned out the only win of note that Edsel got was South Florida. And South Florida ended up turning out to be decent. But you, you couldn't keep them. The program was stagnating fast. And that was the only reason why I even remotely suggested you had to keep them. It was because of Haskins and because of the recruiting class. But I, I think they made the right, of course they made the right move firing him. I think we all agree that. Uh, but losing Haskins would be a bit of a hammer blow. And again, it would mean that Maryland is stuck in quarterback purgatory again for a season without any discernible hope on the horizon, unless there's a grad transfer. And we never know how those work. I didn't expect right. X. Garmin and so much of in. that, so much of that depends on who they hire. So it, it, again, it's like, I understand why fans are worrying about this, but it's all premature because we don't know anything that's going to happen in any direction at the moment. Speaking of which, let's get to the coaching search. And now you are, of course, an SB Nation college football writer, so you could help us parse out what all of these moving parts, and there are tons of them, mean in the greater picture. The first thing I want to say is this coaching search at all different levels across the country is moving spectacularly quickly, way quicker than anything I could have ever expected. Matt Campbell already has a new job, and Justin Fuente already has a new job. Those were two suggestions that were made almost immediately and thought, okay, these would be decent head coaching suggestions at Maryland. They're gone already. USC today removed the interim tag from Clay Helton, and LSU did not end up firing Les Miles. Those are two big jobs that would have caused domino effects everywhere else, and still will, but they're not hiring a different coach. So how do we, where do we put Maryland's job in relation to everything else of the 15-some-odd other FBS jobs from where we're sitting right now. So where Maryland stands in terms of the open jobs, a lot of them obviously are mid-major jobs, non-power jobs. Uh, but SB Nation helpfully ranked the available jobs for you. And of the positions available at power conference schools, Maryland's only behind Georgia, 
Miami, South Carolina, and Missouri. And it doesn't really feel like any of those jobs are going to directly impact Maryland unless they're going to hire some one of those schools will hire Mark Richt. If any school is able to hire Mark Richt, it's not really clear what his next move is going to be, but Maryland is interested. So, you know, it's it's kind of at the point right now where a lot of candidates have kind of gone away. Justin Fuente was locked up by Virginia Tech. Tom Herman appears to be possibly staying at Houston. Uh, Matt Campbell went to Iowa State. Dino Babers seems to be going for UCF. Maryland's in a position where, you know, some names have been thrown out, and the current ones that seem to have been talking with Maryland recently are Mark Richt, Mike Loxley, um, DJ Frank Reich, DJ Durkin, and Scott Milanovic. And it doesn't seem like any of those guys are candidates with any of the other schools above Maryland on the pecking order. Make of that what you will. Um, but I don't think that unless someone else hires Richt, there's going to be an issue where, like, Maryland from here on loses their guy to a different school. Is there any other school that could potentially hire Rick? Because we know, if you don't know, Virginia almost hired him in 2000 and then ended up not doing that. So people have naturally said Virginia could hire Rick. I, I think Maryland is a better job than Virginia. I do, too, but people are going to say that, so. Sure. Uh, I I mean, Mark Rick's former athletic director, Damon Evans, is now the associate athletic director at Maryland. So I think that there's a much clearer connection there um, than there would be anywhere else. The only place I, Miami could do it, that would be kind of weird culture-wise. Um, but if they want to make a splash higher, they can go ahead and do that. If either the SEC schools tried, I don't know if that would work either. Um, but Mark Richt could also, I mean, I think the most likely option, weirdly enough, is for him to just stay at Georgia in some capacity, be it as like a fundraiser role or even doing something crazy like going to do offensive coordinator. He said he wanted to do that again. Um, so I don't know. I, I am trying to stay cautiously optimistic about the Rick to Maryland thing just because he would be such a home run hire. But there's a shot. I mean, there's a clear connection beyond just like Maryland fans wanting it mm -hmm. um, with Damon Evans. So that's that's very good. So if it's not Richt, of the other names that we've seen linked now, uh, a lot of smoke was around the Durkin name for a bit. He's Michigan's defensive coordinator, apparently up-and-coming coordinator, hotshot recruiter, lots of good things about him. The only thing that would be at odds with all of the good stuff about Durkin would be what Kevin Anderson and Wallace Lowe said about hiring a big name, snazzy offense, wide open offense, and then you hire Michigan's defensive coordinator. Would seem a bit weird, but no yeah. doubt it would be a good hire. I think that Michigan's defense, for whatever happened against uh, Ohio State, they played some good stuff earlier. They shut out Maryland, although, the, although that's not much of an accomplishment. Michigan's defense was pretty good for parts of the year. They got some good talent there. Durkin wouldn't be a bad hire, I'd say. Yeah, I, I am less high on it than other people, I think, because I, you know, I was sold on the idea of hiring an offensive coach. But beyond that, I'm not a fan of hiring a first-time head coach to coach a power conference team. Um, Durkin seems like a great defensive coach, but there's it's such a different job being a coordinator and being a head coach. And there's so many different things involved. And, like, being a good coordinator does not necessarily make you a good head coach. Urban Meyer was never a coordinator, for instance. Not that just one example um, solves that. But, like, you see people like Tom Herman and Justin Fuente, they were coordinators at major universities doing big things. And then they were hired by a smaller program first where they could, you know, practice being a head coach 
And once that was approved, they go off to the big leagues. And and that seems like a, a better approach to me than than hiring a coordinator straight up to to coach Maryland. But who knows? It might work um, if Maryland decides to go in that direction. He certainly has recruiting ability. He was named Rivals.com's National Recruiter of the Year in 2012. I mean, he's coached under Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh. So you definitely have that going for you. He's, he's young, um, which is take that as you will. And, uh, seems like a very good up and coming candidate. I just don't know if me personally, I would want him over maybe someone who has been a head coach somewhere. If you you're think, Maryland, do you think that there would be blowback from fans who were told we're going to hire this big offensive name or just a big name with a big name offense? Yes. Absolutely, yes. I This is like exactly like the last coaching search and even the basketball coaching search to an extent in that Maryland has handled this in such an odd way where like there have been so many leaks of like big names. I mean, you could talk recently about Mark Richt and even right before that, Dan Mullen. But before that as well, you've got Mac Brown getting thrown out there, Bill O'Brien, Wallace Lowe mentions Chip Kelly on camera. Um, you have like these outrageous names, Lane Kiffin being uh, mentioned for the Maryland candidacy, seemingly in an attempt to build up the legitimacy of that position. And like, if you remember last time, Maryland uh, reached out to Rich Rodriguez, Gus Malzahn, uh, Mike Leach was the name for such a long time. And on the basketball side, it was Sean Miller. So like, if you do all that, and then you hire a guy who's a much smaller name, justified or not, the fans are going to be upset. And like, again, that has nothing to do with Durkin being a legitimate candidate or not, I have my opinion on on the direction I'd like Maryland to go in, but he could be great. Um, but if you build it up in such a way that fans are expecting one thing and then you give them something that on paper seems like a lesser thing, they're going to be disappointed. How would the Maryland fan base react to hiring Frank Reich? Now, I'm coming off a time when his offense just tore apart my Jaguars defense yesterday, which was very annoying. Uh, but it's kind of exciting if you want him to be the next Maryland head coach. He's an offensive coordinator in the NFL, a very good rising coordinator, obviously as an alum, pulled off a pretty famous comeback against a certain Miami team back in 1984. It's a name that I'm glad that they're interviewing, but I don't really think they should be hiring him at this point for numerous reasons, not the least of which was the coordinator thing you said, and particularly because he's an NFL coordinator and we don't know how good of a recruiter he is. Yeah, he, he's, to me, in the same kind of category as Durkin, uh, but obviously with very different credentials, um, just in the sense that, yeah, he hasn't been a head coach. And not only that, he's never worked in college. So Durkin's got his National Recruiter of the Year award. Frank Reich's been in the NFL his whole coaching career. Uh, so it's possible that either of those hires could work out very well for Maryland. But for me, it's hard to look at them and say, yes, that's the best thing Maryland could do. So... In terms of, and I don't think Scott Milanovic, I'm glad they interviewed Scott Milanovic, but he was coaching in the CFL, which is even more of a difference, so let's not go there. Hey, at least he's a head coach. To That's be honest true. with you, I might be even happier with Milanovic than the other two, because he is a head coach and has had success as a head coach. Um, but I don't know. I, I think any one of those three could work out, but they are not three that I would be thrilled with. So in terms of other names, now I wrote the suggestion for Matt Rule. That would be another name that would not really incite much confidence among Maryland fans. But as I think I mentioned on the podcast, I talked with a friend who was here and now is at Temple and said Matt Rule would have been a great hire for Maryland and still would be a great hire for Maryland. I said, yes, if Wallace Lowe and Kevin Anderson had kept their mouths shut. If they hired Rule, that would be another name. It would be much along the same lines of Durkin, and it would feel like a bit of a letdown. It would be almost exactly like the Randy Edsel hire. 
Uh, Rule to me seems like a fit for Virginia, and I think that that might be the direction that they go in. Um, I, I saw him link to Missouri too. Yeah, that could be a, a potential option. I think his I think the connections with the area would make him decent fit for Rutgers. I don't think he fits Maryland. Just the way everything is shaken out. Rutgers, I and I have no inside information here, but I fully expect Rutgers to hire Greg Schiano because again, <laughs> well, it would be. I mean, like. He, he left Rutgers not because Rutgers didn't want him anymore, but because he went to the NFL. And, I mean, he has some baggage from his time in the NFL. So who else would be more willing to say yes? He built that program. It's not unheard of for a coach to return to a college program after fizzling out in the NFL. And I think that – or, like, fizzling out at a different level. At Montana, Bobby Houck uh, left Montana for UNLV, and then after he was fired by UNLV, UNLV he went back. Um, now Bob Stitz there, but, um, or actually, no, yeah, that's Bobby Houck was a candidate. They hired Bob Stitt instead. I was remembering that wrong, but it does happen. And, uh, I think it would make a lot of sense for Rutgers because what better candidate is Rutgers going to hire than the guy who's shown it can be done. And it worked for work for Greg Schiano because I don't know what other place would seriously consider him for a head coaching job. Well, he still has a job at ESPN. He does. That is a cushy job. He would like to coach. I, I figure I figure you would agree with that. But what other names could possibly be coming out? Because those were the four or five that we had heard. Uh, quickly on Loxley, um, um, they're interviewing him out of due diligence, and they're also interviewing him because they have a sample. But I don't think they could realistically hire Loxley as the full-time head coach after these six games. I just don't – even with a better quarterback, the proviso, I don't think they could hire him. I, he, I would. It would be nice – for the recruiting things, but I just don't think that Maryland ends up hiring him full-time. Yeah, and it reports appear to be that if he doesn't get the job, he's leaving. And that that means that the recruiting class will probably be mostly gone as well. So again, be prepared for that, just because this is one of the decisions that Maryland made when it decided to fire Randy Etzel. Mike Loxley doesn't want to stay around as an assistant forever. That's true. I can completely agree with that. So in terms of other names, now that those have been linked or they seem like the names that make the most sense, but there are going to be others that are coming out because I think a lot of national media is saying Maryland's approach is really wide and scattergun. And somebody even said it was a bit of a Turkey shoot. Uh, where, what other names can we see linked uh, to this job? Because we've mentioned most of them, but there are going to be others that are going to end up coming in relatively soon. You'd think. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's impossible to kind of know. Um, as we've talked about it, Dave has always said, it's it's probably going to be someone that uh, we haven't heard about yet. So who knows? Uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on it, and surely updates will be coming to you on testudotimes.com. Do you have any names that you'd like to see linked, selfishly or otherwise? Uh, you know, not really. I, I am full in for Mark Richt, if that's the direction that Maryland choose to go in at this you know it's really hard with these things because sometimes your first choice doesn't work out and sometimes your fifth choice does um so you just kind of evaluate what appear to be the smart plays of what's available and to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if maryland went in the direction of one of the ones that we've heard so far i don't know who else would be realistically brought up but we will evaluate them as they come along i think the realistic options were the ones that have already been hired honestly like whom like the, the campbells and the Fuente. Mm. I don't know Fuente, but Campbell seemed more likely to me, just in my own mind. I thought that one of those two would have been the names Maryland had went to next, but they had so many offers that yeah. I never think Maryland was going to get a chance. Yeah, there was never a chance for Maryland with Fuente, and as for Campbell, it appears he spurned Missouri for Iowa State, so 
Uh, if he spurned Missouri for Iowa State, then he certainly would have spurned Maryland for Iowa State. It appears that way, yeah. Okay, so a couple of other questions on this. Uh, the first is the money thing. If they're hiring Richt, then money's clearly not an object. But I talked with somebody else on my own radio show, and they said that for Maryland, money isn't an object, which is interesting because I thought even though they're going to have to spend more on their head coach, that at some point there was going to be a limit where Kevin Plank would say no more and Kevin Anderson would say, all right, this is beyond the bounds of realism and plausibility. I uh, 100% believe that that that, that was a, a bit of hyperbole on that person's part. It uh, might have been. Uh, but Money if, is an object. There yeah. is a limit. Maryland will not outspend Alabama. That's true, obviously. But let's say they do want to go after Mark Richt and they figure he's the guy. How much yes. are they going to have to pay him? Um, it's uh, my guess off the top of my head, whew, probably, I want to say like five, maybe six. It's a lot. Yeah. I, I, it, it would take a lot. It would be an, an interesting turn of events if, if that's how it went down and, uh, it would be a home run move for Maryland. I think that would probably work out. Uh, at Georgia, he was making $4 million. Who knows? Maybe they could go roll with that. They might need to give him a raise. I mean, it, it all depends on how Mark Richt is feeling. They're going to interview him. That that has come out. We've confirmed it. So they're going to interview him. So at least they they're talking. Want to. I don't know if that's that part has been confirmed. They have talked to him, and they want to interview him. And okay. there's a meeting expected. Well, that's good. But That's a start. Yeah. So a couple of more questions for you, Pete. The first one is... Because of how fast everything else is moving around the country with these hires, Matt Campbell and Justin Puente had jobs basically after their teams took the field on Saturday, although Toledo took the field on Friday, but no matter. Uh, when do you think Maryland makes an official announcement? Uh, you said in another part of this recording that you'll know what we'll hear, that they waited too long uh, when they hired Randy Edsel. That was after the bowl season ended. You even said could be this week. Yeah, I would expect it this week, um, just because these things are moving so quickly. Um, if not this week, it'll be next. I don't expect them to wait into bowl season. Uh, they want someone who can start recruiting now because they have a, a very high-caliber recruiting class that they would like to try and keep together. I don't think it's likely someone will be able to do that very well without Michael Oxley, unless it's like Mark Richt himself. Um, but they're going to try. And finally, I guess the question is, who do you think, uh, from where we sit right now, obviously, that's gonna, this is going to change. Maybe when the podcast is posted, this will change. But who do you think right now ends up getting the job? Man, I want to say Mark Richt. Um, and, like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty pretty all right that that might happen. But uh, at the moment, gun to my head, I would say DJ Durkin. That's what I would say, too. I mean, we even saw the first, like, early confirmed report that it was his job to lose, but that turned out... I, I checked that the guy who posted that, the Twitter feed, it was a bit He's, he's a former uh, sports writer affiliated with newspapers. And I think a lot of people read that report wrong. He, it's not Durkin's job to lose. Durkin would sign a deal if offered. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, so maybe we, we kind of all misread that, but it sounded like it was closer to Durkin than it turned it out to end up being... That doesn't sound like a run-on sentence. Right. I just think if, if Durkin is offered the job, he would say yes. And that's of course he would. the strongest candidate right now. Of course he would. He's a coordinator, and he's offered a head coaching job. Wouldn't you take it? Yeah. Don't tell Michigan fans that. They disagree with that. Uh, well, yeah, but they're, they're Michigan. And then Maryland beats them at the big house next year. We all laugh. Although yeah. I find it kind of ironic that UCF is hiring Dino Babers, and this ties in nicely. Guess who Maryland is playing next year? Oh, yes. 
there's going to be Dino Babers 2.0. <laughs> You're going to turn into Dino Babers fan again if Maryland loses in Orlando next season, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun times. Speaking of which, we should talk about the schedule. Uh, Maryland, of course, in the Big Ten now as they move to nine conference games. So you're wondering who is there, who are they going to play as their West crossover games at Nebraska at the second to last game of the season, home against Minnesota and Purdue. Purdue might be the only team in the Big Ten that's worse than Maryland. Maybe. I don't might know. be, yeah. Uh, were they worse than Maryland? Did the Nuggets prove yeah. that out? Yeah. Um, it's – you can make the uh, – Rutgers is also worse than Maryland. Well, that's um, true, but they won more games. They did, but by the, the statistics, uh, Rutgers was worse. Uh, Purdue was, let me check, worse as well. Yeah, okay. so those are the two. So Maryland also plays Howard at home and at FIU, which is at a time not scheduled according to fbschedules.com, which is a fantastic website if you're a bit of a schedule nerd like I am. And as we mentioned, they're also at UCF. Uh, their Big Ten East schedule is the first same as it was in 2014, so that's at Penn State, um, at Michigan, at Indiana, home against Ohio, uh, home against Ohio State, home against Michigan State, and home against Rutgers. So there are wins in there if Maryland gets better quarterback play, but it's really entirely predicated on getting better quarterback play, no matter who the head coach is. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, on I paper, I guess it looks a bit easier than this year's schedule, it, which it is slightly really easier. hard. I think that there there's a path to four wins, certainly. Um, I mean, the non-conference schedule is easier. UCF and FIU are much worse than both Bowling Green and South Florida. And West Virginia, too. Right, of course. And, I mean, you have an extra non-conference game, which is filled by, uh, you could say Purdue, I guess. I don't know. Or Minnesota. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. The, yeah, it's – if you get someone like Mark Richt, he is someone who was a quarterback, was a quarterback's coach, was an offensive coordinator. It is technically possible that Mark Richt is able to work wonders with a quarterback currently on Maryland's uh, roster. But if you hire someone else, it's probably going to be a long year once you hit conference play. Yeah, well, it was a long year once we had conference play this year, too. So I, I don't think we're accustomed to long years in, in conference play anyway. And, of course, Maryland ends the season against Rutgers, and no Maryland season is complete unless you beat Rutgers, apparently. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was good to have you back on with all of this football stuff. Again, we'll have you back on when Maryland does end up making their head coaching hire, which apparently is coming sooner than even I expected. <laughs> Everything's going crazy right now. How nuts is it, not just in the Maryland search, but all of these other searches with the rumors flying around, the leaks are incredible. And this is all happening within a couple of days of the season ending. Yeah, it's uh, it's moving quickly, but uh, that's how it goes this time of year. It's it's boom, boom, boom. But there's more jobs open than ever, which is why it feels like it's even nuttier than usual. Of it seems right now they're about the same that it usually is. It, it just started earlier this year. Um, so we'll see how it continues, um, because obviously, when like you mentioned, when you have teams like USC hiring an interim, that kind of slows down the process significantly because USC is a program that could hire off the top and then continue that all the way down. So um, was LSU, and they ended up not firing Les Miles, which was right. a good decision. And if Georgia hires Kirby Smart, then that's a coordinator off the table instead of a head coach. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Right now it's about where it usually is, um, but it's certainly off to a faster start. Especially since some of the big names came off the board immediately which I, I guess it only surprised me at how quick they happened, not that they happened at all. 
I, I guess I, I think most people would agree with that. Just it was just the speed, not necessarily. Ooh, Justin Fuente going to Virginia Tech is a shock, or Matt Campbell going to Iowa State is a shock. Maybe that one is. I would say uh, that's a surprising move on Matt Campbell's part, and I wish him the best of luck in Ames. But that is not an easy place to win. All right. Well, somebody will say that. I don't know. I didn't think. I thought Matt Campbell kind of fit with Maryland, but Iowa State. To each their own. I, I, Ames is a lovely place. I bet Iowa City was a lovely place. So I guess Ames is probably not too worse. Too sure. much worse. I would hope so. The state of Iowa is lovely if you like corn. Anyway, uh, so I hope you enjoyed this football season recap. We're posting this kind of immediately, but know that after the UNC game, we will be recording a show and we'll talk about basketball. I know you want to hear about that. Uh, schedules haven't worked out the way that I would have liked to to record shows, uh, but we will have a show really soon after the UNC game and we'll talk basketball and everything else then. So hopefully you get your football fix. And of course, there will be a show pretty soon after Maryland makes a hire so everybody can get their word in but it was good to have you back on Pete maybe at some point we'll have you on the podcast as a basketball fan oh sure yeah basketball fan Pete Volk is a side of Pete Volk I haven't seen yet I've seen yeah. uh college football writer Pete Volk devoted gamer Pete Volk but I haven't seen basketball fan Pete Volk yet unless there it's on go. Twitter I'm really excited go. for that and I know everybody who reads Testudo Times and listens to this podcast would love it too I hope you would I'd be entertained by it tremendously <laughs> Can't wait to hear you complaining about Maryland's play inside. Yeah, there we go. Now that's gonna be the exciting. That's gonna be exciting times of the year. But thanks, Pete, for joining us. Hopefully, you enjoyed this show. Uh, and of course, big jokes.